Hi, and welcome back to the FFP. Today we're going to be breaking down our top 20 dynasty running backs. This is, of course, a really important video for anyone in a dynasty league. As I would say to any of you guys watching this video that you need to aim, not just in your dynasty leagues, but in your standard redraft leagues as well, that you guys need to aim to have uh, probably two running backs in this top 20 list. And maybe you'll get lucky and have three, but that'll really certainly set your team up a long way towards a championship. And if you don't end up having two, then you've got a real uphill climb. So that's what we're going to go over today. And I would just say, hey, guys, I would suggest if you are in a dynasty league and you don't have two of the guys in this top 20, I would consider making a trade or finding some way to draft a running back really early because that is definitely going to be a hole you'll need to fill. I'd also like to ask you guys, would you like us to do a dynasty or just any trade targets video? I think that'd be a fun video. And if you guys are interested in that, I would love to do it. But without any further ado, let's just get into it and let's get into our number one guy. So first of all, I'd say this is probably a bit of a surprise for a few of you who are expecting to see Christian McCaffrey here. Uh, Rob, why don't you break it down, maybe a bit of a su surprising pick, but why is Barkley more long-term valuable than McCaffrey? Yeah, okay, so let's get into this a little bit here. I know uh, some of you are going to disagree with this pick and see Christian McCaffrey as the clear number one dynasty back. And, and to be very honest with you, it's really hard to disagree based on his record-setting season that he's had uh, since he's been in the league. But for me, my money is on Saquon Barkley. No. With that said, does it really matter? If you got Barkley, if you got McCaffrey, either way, you can't go wrong. But here's why I love Saquon Barkley over the other backs that are out there. It's important to remember this is a dynasty league. So we're going to be looking at things like length of career, meaning we're trying to project out at the likelihood of what I would call sustained production, right? Mm -hmm. Not just next year, but we're looking at years after that. So we look at sustained production for a, a period or a prolonged period of time. We have to look at issues like uh, durability, age, surrounding cast, et cetera. So those are some of the things that played into this. I want to start with durability. That's really key in the NFL. The NFL is a violent, violent game, as we know. Uh, these backs take a lot of beating, and those hits add up over time. And some smaller backs or players, um, they can be productive even if they're not big, but usually their shelf life is a little shorter. That production begin to drop over time. They simply are not built for that sort of punishment. When I think about backs that would fall into that category, I think of like Jamal Charles, who was actually a very productive back, but he wasn't very big. Uh, he was a stud if you look at him a couple years, but he was often injured. His career cut cut a little short. Or I think about uh, Chris Charles or Chris Johnson. Mm -hmm. Look at Chris Johnson, the year that he had a really huge productive year. I think he had about 2,500 all-purpose yards or yards from scrimmage, as they say. Um, and then what happened to him? Or more recently, look at Devonta Freeman. In his first three seasons, right, he only missed one game, and he led all fantasy backs in points scored in 2015. He's really an all-around complete back, uh, great in the passing game. But his size, very much built like McCaffrey. Freeman sits at only 205 pounds, which is smaller for running back. And the next three years after that, he missed 18 games and were often injured or didn't play at 100%. So you just kind of see that played out with these backs that aren't big like that. Now, as far as size goes, look at McCaffrey. Hey, McCaffrey's 5'11", 205 pounds, versus Barkley, who's 6'2", 230. Now, that's uh, about 25 pounds. It doesn't sound like a lot. It really is in the NFL, okay, to carry that on your frame. And we've talked frequently in our videos about the average size of NFL backs and durability issues that some of these smaller backs have had. I'm not going to get into those metrics right now because it's redundant, but if you want to watch some of our older football videos, our running back videos, you'll see some of the metrics we shared as we broke that down. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. I know what you're thinking, and yes, it's true. McCaffrey has put on some size since he came to the NFL. He's put on some bulk. He's really transformed his body uh, and gotten bigger. Okay, But he's still significantly smaller than Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a freak of nature, and I mean that in the best possible way. This guy is built uh, amazing. When he came into the league, he had off-the-charge metrics. His physical metrics were insane. He crushed combine numbers. He had freakish numbers there. 
In fact, if you look back at the combine when he came in, they looked at what they call the, the RAS score, R-A-S, RAS score. And it measures really a player's combined numbers. You look at measurements like you know, your bench press, your size, your weight, your speed, and they look at your event performances. And that it's graded from a 1 to 10. Okay, And he got a 9.97 when you look at all those things. He came in really just a, a freak of nature, phenomenal physical body to be an NFL back. So Barkley is just a better fit to handle more touches over time. He's bigger than McCaffrey. Uh, but unlike, for example, a back like Derrick Henry, who, by the way, is also a huge beast. He's a physical stud, right? Derrick uh, Henry's got to be probably the most punishing as far as size-wise running back in the league right now. But unlike him, okay, Henry lacks uh, good hands, and, and I would say that uh, Henry's not slow, but he's not fast. But Barkley has no deficiencies in his game. He's got speed, size, good hands, strength, and he's slightly younger than Christian McCaffrey, 23. He's a baby in the league, so he's got years still to develop and to grow. So get yards per carry in their career. So Barkley has a slight edge yards per carry in his career, 4.8 over 4.7 for McCaffrey. And this is important to note that last year's numbers, his yards per carry were down due to an ankle injury that Barkley uh, came back really unbelievably early. Some thought that was going to be a year-ending ankle injury. And yet he came back early, and it was clear early on that he was not 100% when he returned. His first five games back last year, his yards per carry was 2.77 as he battled injuries. But he got stronger. Okay, and you got Haley there as he returned. As he got stronger in his last five games, he had 542 rushing yards and a 5.5 yards per carry as he got back to the Saquon Barkley that we know. And that would have left his, his career yards per carry at around five, so his yards per carry are just simply better. You see that. Another thing that I think is important is his productivity went up with Daniel Jones at the quarterback helm there. Okay, uh, Eli Manning, um, has he officially retired yet? It's so weird with this whole COVID thing. I don't know. Has he officially come out and done that, or is he still holding out at this point? I don't think it matters. Nobody's going to sign yeah, him. Yeah, whatever. But so, I do think he did retire. So, yeah. But you look at uh, Eli Manning, was really the last few years a shadow of himself. He wasn't the quarterback that he was. And having Daniel Jones at quarterback is a huge upgrade that should open things up slightly for um, Saquon Barkley there. Now, if you look at McCaffrey, yes, unbelievable pass catching back. Statistically, one of the greatest of all time. But don't forget that in his rookie year, Saquon Barkley had 91 catches compared to Christian McCaffrey's 80. Saquon Barkley is very good in the passing game. You lose nothing in PPR leagues with Barkley. In 2018, Barkley received a running back rating from Pro Football Focus of 8th overall, and that year McCaffrey was 21st. Last year, when McCaffrey had this phenomenal year, right, Barkley last year was ranked 16th, McCaffrey 17th. So he was down last year in his rating. And those rankings take into account many things like how elusive a back was, yards after contact, breakaway ability, breakaway speed. Simply put, Barkley is just a much better pure back. If you own Barkley in Dynasty Leagues, you are set for a long time. This guy's a future Hall of Famer. I like him long-term as a Dynasty back. I'm not saying uh, – you'll see that when we get to our actual rankings for this year for running back, they're going to be different than this, obviously. But Dynasty-wise, he's my guy. Exactly. You're talking Dynasty. You can't just look at next year. you got to look two, three years ahead. And you definitely have to wonder what things are going to look like there. And I think Daniel Jones is a great quarterback to have in that situation. He had the third most passing touchdowns by a rookie quarterback ever. He's going to come in this year, sophomore year, trying to avoid that slump. They're going to run the ball a lot more now that Barkley is healthy. And I love what you referenced. Christian McCaffrey had more catches. He is the most catches a running back has ever had in a single season. I think Barkley could do it too. He simply didn't have the opportunity and the enough targets to do that in this last year. I think we could certainly be proven wrong. We could certainly see him possibly break that record heading into this year. Not that it's a guarantee. I'm just saying I don't think it's a talent thing for sure. But uh, let's head into our next pick who is, well, pretty obviously Christian McCaffrey. 
All right, so here we are, Christian McCaffrey number two. And the first thing we want to clarify is we did put Barkley number one, but I don't think anyone else can even near compete with Christian McCaffrey. I think there's a large gap between these two and the next two. Would you not say that that's true? Yeah, although I have to say there's a lot of guys in the top ten here that, man, I would be more than happy to own down the stretch. But you're right, I think it's clearly Christian McCaffrey number one, or number two. Some would argue it's clearly the number one. Of course, I told you why I think differently, but yeah, he's the number two guy, hands down. Absolutely, and you know, I, I loved your argument. I probably have to agree with you, but I've got some compelling stats here. Let's see if I can't change everyone's mind. So here's what we've got right now. Uh, the gap last year, how dominant he was, was historic. It was insane, and I've honestly never seen a running back dominate in the league so far away ahead of everybody else. His 469 fantasy points last year were, of course, most among running backs, but that wasn't new for him. The year before, he finished point. To, or excuse me, 0.6 fantasy points away from first. He finished second, and he was less than a point away from finishing first. So you can tell that that's clearly he is going to, for years to come, be consistently up there in that one, two, three, that top five range for sure. Uh, but going back last year, he outscored the next closest running back in PPR leagues, who was Aaron Jones, by the way. He outscored him by 32% or 150 fantasy points. It wasn't even close. I went all the way back to 2009, and I couldn't find a single running back to finish with such a wide margin between the number one and the number two back. In fact, did you know that on his pace, he could have played just 12 games, and he still would have been the number one fantasy back? He could have missed a quarter of the season. Of course, he didn't because he's surprisingly durable for his size, and he was extremely productive, and he had the volume. Great opportunity. Don't even get me started on the fact that he become just the third running back in NFL history to go over 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving in the same season. Of course, a lot of that was to volume, but he is clearly one of the most talented running backs, both pure runner and receiving backs in the league. He also set the record, NFL record, with 116 catches by a running back. He previously, or he broke the previous record of 106, which was also held by himself. So you can tell that he is also going to consistently be up there in that category for sure. Really, when we talk about how good he is, there's really only one question is, are there any concerns? Because we all know how dominant he is. I don't think it takes a genius to know that. Yes, I would say there are some concerns. And the two concerns really being his quarterback and his coach. Uh, Matt Rule as a first-year head coach is a bit of an interesting pick, and there's a lot of nerves heading into that. You wonder whether or not you're going to get a successful first-year coach, a guy going to step in like, say, Sean McVay or Cliff Kingsbury, who really led that offense to some solid fantasy points, or maybe you'll get a Chip Kelly, and you'll really regret signing him for as much money as the Panthers signed him for, but that is a major concern. This could be a good thing for McCaffrey. It could be a terrible thing for McCaffrey. Um, but being that he's already been playing at this high level, it's hard to expect he's going to get higher than that in his fantasy value. So it feels like, to me, it's really a lose-lose risk situation. And then you get a new quarterback stepping in. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater seems like he's a fairly good quarterback, but also a lot of teams have had Teddy Bridgewater and not really implemented him as their long-term starter. And he did have a couple of good games last year with the Saints, but the Saints are an extremely talented offense. And you have to wonder, is he really a solid franchise quarterback? He seems to be a quarterback who's very good on short completions. He's very efficient, but he doesn't really stretch the field too much. And that is definitely a concern to consider. And so as we look towards next year, he's going to have the volume. He's going to have the catches and the touchdowns. He's going to have everything. But long-term over the next few years, um, Barkley might be number, number one for sure. But again, he's still so dominant. I mean, you see this guy, no matter what the score is, the number one talented player in that offense who's getting the most usage is McCaffrey. So yeah, definitely right up there.
Yeah, you know, when I look at concerns, the other thing I think about is that they were often playing from behind. Obviously, the Panthers don't want to do that if they can. You know, a lot of that, like you said, was uh, garbage time stats, playing from behind, et cetera. The other thing, and you can't trust this necessarily, but just based on the law of statistics, there's going to be a statistical drop-off. Mm -hmm. Just based on numbers and averages and things like that, he's got to have a fall-off, at least for a year. With that said, you'd be a fool just to, to roll the dice and take a chance. You've got to, you know, you got to go with this guy. you got to roll with this guy. And so. Well, and that's what I mentioned about the 32% between him and the next guy. He could regress. He could be 25% worse next year than he was this year, and he would still have been the first running back. So you can you can imagine there's definitely some room for aggression there for sure. But uh, let's head into our number three back. So Ezekiel Elliott, you know, I like this guy a lot, actually. feels like he's been in the league for a long time. Uh, it's only been four seasons, and he's still only 25 years old. He's still a very young back. Now, he's a guy that we talked about it, in a, you know, when Saquon Barkley, size matters in the NFL, right? Well, he's a back that's big and physical. Six foot, 230, 230 pounds, easy for me to say, right? Built the exact same size as Saquon Barkley. He's a great peer runner. When I look at guys that can just run the ball between the tackles solid, I think about him, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. These are guys that come to mind who are some of the best peer backs in the NFL in terms of running the ball. Look, in 2019, Pro Football Focus rated him as the number fifth back overall. Now, in the first three years he was in the league, he led the NFL in rushing yards per game. He led the NFL in total uh, yards rushing twice. Uh, so twice in four years, he led the NFL in total yards rushing. He only missed a third season because he got suspended for six games. Had he played a full season, he would have led the first three years in the league. That's great. Now, if you look, and here's one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize with him. This is total yards per game, which is your rushing and receiving yards combined. In his first four seasons, it's one of the best ever among running backs. He rakes up there as some of the greatest of all time. In his career, his yards per game averaged 125 yards per game. That's one of the best in the NFL history. That's better than greats like Marshall Falk, Ladanian Thomason, and he's tied with all-time great Jim Brown. Did you hear that? Okay, this guy's yards per game are really, really solid. Now, some might look and say, well, you know what? His yards per carry have dropped every year he's been in the league, and that's concerning. Why? Why does that happen? I think it's important to look at that. One, probably extra tension from defenses. Uh, injuries to the offensive line. They've had some injuries. Uh, Dak Prescott had about a year there from the end of one season and some games into the next season where he really struggled quite a bit during that stretch. But let's address the idea of, okay, the extra tension from defense. Is that going to hurt him? Here's what I would say to that. I'd speak to that narrative a little bit. I wouldn't let that worry you at all. Here's why. Uh, the addition of wide receiver Amari Cooper, the emergence of Michael Gallup at wide receiver, Dak Prescott coming off a career best year, 30 touchdown passes. It's going to be harder for defenses to load the box disproportionately versus him because that offense around him is just getting better. Now, if you look at uh, his total rushing yards per game drop since he's been in the league, right? Um, but still, if you look at his yards per carry, they remain solid. And to me, that's how I look at it. If you want to look at a back's effectiveness and his efficiency, yeah, his total yards have dropped, but his yards per carry remain very solid. And to me, that's really important. The other thing is part of that drop-off that he's had could be the fact he's being more involved in the passing game, which actually just makes him a more complete back, which I like to see. Mm -hmm. means he's a true three-down back. He's going to be out there. It doesn't matter the situation. In his first two seasons, he had a total of 58 catches for 632 receiving yards in the first two years. The last two seasons... He had a total of 131 receptions and 987 receiving yards. So he just offset that with just more receiving yards. So really, his total yards are just fine. He's tracking really well there. And here's the key. All great running backs, I don't care how talented you are, their success is linked to what? Offensive line, right? Like, you got to have the offensive line, and Dallas is one of the best offensive lines in the league. 
They've been near the top of this conversation for years. And last year was another impressive display for that group of offensive linemen. They finished fifth by pro football focus and pass blocking and third in run blocking. They're really good. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people look at that offensive line. They break it down. You think about, of course, Tyron Smith. You look at Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. These are guys that we know are really good. Um, but last year, another guy emerged from the offensive line that really brings a lot of promise there, and that's Collins. Okay, He developed in that group quite a bit. Last year, he received a grade, uh, an offensive line grade of 85.8. That's third among right tackles. Okay, So that whole line, there's four guys there that are just solid across the line. These guys can uh, run. The only thing that really slows that offensive line down is injuries. Mm -hmm. Okay, And those are unpredictable. can happen to any team. So you look at that offensive line. These guys are just loaded. In fact, they said that offensive line finished second only behind the Ravens as far as expected points per run play. So very solid there. I think sometimes we make a mistake. You look for the newest, flashiest guy that comes in the league, a rookie, whatever it is. Okay, in the process of looking for that new, hottest guy out there, don't forget about Ezekiel Elliott. This guy's a stud, and he's going to be one for many more years. I like Ezekiel Elliott. Once again, very, I think at this point, I don't know if I want to call him underrated, but I think, once again, you moved on to guys like Barkley, and we talked about Christian McCaffrey and other guys, you know, Josh Jacobs will get to, Chubb, those guys. I love those guys, but don't forget about Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, you know, that's the funny thing. We're looking at a list so talented that if you asked me where does Ezekiel Elliott rank, I'd be like, oh, one or two for sure. And then you look how talented this is, and boom, he goes to three, and it's not his fault. There's just a lot of talent out there. As far as the one concern that people have been bringing up to me a lot about Ezekiel Elliott, and it was a thought that I had at first when he – or uh, when the Dallas Cowboys first signed Mike McCarthy was, man, Mike McCarthy drastically, horribly misused Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones went from 24th in fantasy points all the way up to second when he switched coaches from Mike McCarthy to Matt LaFleur. So that's, for some people, a concern. However, it isn't for me. When you look further into the numbers, there's two things you'll note. One, he misused Aaron Jones because Mike McCarthy likes to use his backup running back a lot. Uh, so maybe Tony Pollard sees a lot of carries, but Tony Pollard actually already saw a lot of carries. He had multiple 100-yard rushing games. So you think that's going to hurt Ezekiel Elliott? Well, maybe it was already hurting Ezekiel Elliott. Secondly, when you actually look at Mike McCarthy and one of the reasons he liked to use Jamal Williams so much was because Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery, those were the two guys he loved to mix in there with Aaron Jones, was because they were both good in the passing game. You know who's the best running back in the passing game in this offense? It's Zeke Elliott, and it's not even close. So for me, the Mike McCarthy signing is not a concern, though I think at surface level that, that does worry some people. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, another concern that uh, I didn't have in my notes, but as we talked here, it came to mind, is that when he came in the league, the guy had issues. He got issues, staying out of trouble, you name it. I mean, that's why he got suspended. Mm -hmm. But um, he's, he's keeping his nose clean. He's staying out of trouble. looks like he's got his eyes focused right forward, doing the right thing, staying out of trouble. And so that's less of a concern for me than it was maybe three years ago at this point. Absolutely. All right, next up we have Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb might be a surprise pick who a lot of people might be thinking that maybe another guy should be in this spot. But I think we got to put him here. He is one of the best peer runners in the NFL. Earlier you talked about some really great peer runners like Derrick Henry. I, I think Nick Chubb is right up there as one of the best and most physical runners in the NFL, hands down. There's really only one thing that hurts him, but we'll talk about that later. What I want to talk about is just some, some overhead stats of what he's been able to do. So he's been in the league for just two years. In fact, he was a bit of a surprise his rookie year. Remember um, that they had some other options at the running back position, and he really hands down took that job. And the minute he stepped into camp, the Browns knew that he was their lead running back, and there has been no looking back since. Last year, he finished eighth 
in PPR scoring. He actually finished sixth in standard. So yeah, he may not be the most effective PPR running back, and yet he was still able to finish very highly because, yes, he's no Christian McCaffrey and he's no Barkley in the passing game, but he is just that effective in the ground game that he keeps himself valuable no matter what the scoring is, and he's still a very solid RB1. Interestingly enough, he finished ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley, though Barkley got injured, not a fair comparison, but he finished ahead of Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette. He he beat a lot of guys out last year in fantasy points, and I think funny perception really messes up messes us up in fantasy a lot because Chubb might not be the most exciting back because uh, you know he plays for an offense that was a bit of a mess last year and everything, but it didn't really matter. He got the job done, and he finished ahead of a lot of people. If you would have told me that he finished ahead of Alvin Kamara in fantasy points, I actually wouldn't have believed you, but sure enough, that's what the numbers say, and it's true, and that's just how effective he has been. And he's only been in the league for two years. He hasn't seen an extremely long and heavy workload. He does get a heavy workload from year to year, but he's been in the league for just two years, and he's, what, 24 years old? So he's got many more years of effective running to come. In fact, since he entered the league, he leads all running backs with 5.08 yards per carry among qualifying backs who have had at least 277 carries. Chubb, for example, has 490 carries, so he far and away breaks that threshold and has averaged over five yards per carry in his career. That is extremely impressive. Crazy to see we're looking at guys like uh, Barkley, we're looking at guys like McCaffrey and Zeke. Those guys are not averaging five yards per carry in their career, and it's not because they're not great running backs. They are. It's because that's an extremely high mark to hit, as a phenomenal mark to hit. He also had 66 avoided tackles. That was only second behind Josh Jacobs. Um, but we'll look at some more some, some more stats. In fact, we'll talk about Jacobs later. The one concern comes to mind for all of us has got to be what? Well, it's got to be the Kareem Hunt, right? Kareem Hunt coming in, taking his touches, kind of taking that role a little bit there. So I did a little bit of research on, here's what I found. Through the first nine weeks of the season, or eight games, because one of those first nine weeks was a bye, he was the running back five on a per-game fantasy points basis. However, his production took a fair drop when Kareem Hunt stepped in and got more touches a few weeks into the season. Um, so he went from the leader to the rest of the season. He dro he actually dropped to the RB15 for quite a while. Um, in fact, he saw 20 or more carries in five of the first eight games of the season. He never saw fewer than 16. In the second half of the season, he only hit the 20 carry mark on three occasions, and he didn't do it at all after week 12. So the second half of the season, he saw a lot less volume. Now, I see this as both a positive and a negative. One, it's a negative because it sort of confirms the idea that Kareem Hunt could be and probably will take value away from Nick Chubb. However, I also see it as a positive. Remember that he finished sixth in standard and eighth in PPR. If he didn't lose touches last year to Kareem Hunt, he very well could have been the number two, number three running back, and it shows you just how talented he is. That offense was also a mess. That offense was not as productive as it should have been, and Baker Mayfield had some major regression, and the coaching staff had some major misuse of offensive talent, and they just weren't very effective, and he still got his fantasy points. If they're able to go out there, fix that passing game a little bit, fix the offensive line a little bit, get in the red zone more, I imagine he will very likely have more fantasy value over the next few years than he even has in his first two years. Rob, I know you like this guy a lot, too, so I want to uh, let you in to say anything you want. Yeah, and I can say a whole lot. First of all, I think he's terribly underrated. This guy is a phenomenal runner. If you look at some of the things, you break it down. His rookie year that he came in, his yards after contact led the NFL. Um, you look at some of these things, you break down, elusive rate, yards after contact, et cetera. I mean, the yards per carry are not great. Are not 
simply great because he's getting these big holes. He's rattling off 15 yards before he's getting touched by a linebacker. He's creating these on his own. This guy's breaking contact. He's elusive. He's a nice one cut back. He's got good speed. I mean, you name it. This guy is really underrated. I love this guy. And so uh, he's got a, a bright future. Um, once again, having two backs there can hurt your value, but can also keep you fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm the coach there, what I'm going to do is not decrease Nick Chubb's carries, but find a way to get both backs on the field more often. Mm-hmm. Take some of that pressure off of Baker Mayfield there. So. All right. Well, if you're a first-year Browns coach, the passing game didn't work, the running game did. What do you do? You just become a running team. You use your running backs a lot. You give them both volume, and that will help hopefully increase the efficiency in your passing game. Well, let's get moving on to our next guy. All right, guys, here we are at number five, Josh Jacobs, a guy that I love a lot. Looking at some of his metrics, he has been very effective, and I would like to start the campaign to start calling him Triple G. If anyone would like to join me, that stands for the ground game guru. Um, Rob doesn't think it's a very good nickname, but I love it, so please please support me in my cause. Anyways. Anyways, yeah, uh, Triple G, as you call him. Anyways, uh, Josh Jacobs, number five guy for us. What's not to love about this guy, really? There's a reason why he was a former first-round pick and the first running back taken in the 2019 draft. Okay, He was on a below-average offense, 24th in the league in points scored, and he battled through a major shoulder injury, and he still had a very productive season. In his rookie campaign, he finished with a 4.8 yards per carry and over 1,000 yards rushing. Five of his last nine games broke over 100 yards rushing in those games there. During that stretch, he was fourth in the NFL in rushing yards behind Shelb, Henry, and McCaffrey. And he received a fourth rating in people, or from pro football folks in terms of like running back effectiveness, things like that. He, he was on the fourth back during that stretch. He was really consistent. I love the consistency in his game there. After his first game in the NFL, after that, he never had a yards per carry um, below 4.3 in a single game, and that was nine games. Now, his final three games, he did drop in some effectiveness, but that's when that shoulder injury is really becoming an issue for him there. Uh, you take that away once again for nine games. This guy was a mark of consistency. Now, we talk about size. At 5'10", 220, he's got solid size, good build there. And he's coming out of Alabama, which, by the way, has become like a running back factory for the NFL. Do you know how many running backs currently in the NFL are from Alabama right now active? Uh, I'm going to go with at least one. Good call. Six. You know, uh, pretty much uh, you're running back for Alabama, you're going to play in the NFL. So now you look at the, like 2019, last year as a rookie, he was the seventh best running back with a 3.48 yards after contact. Okay, he had 69 avoided tackles. You showed me this one, loved it. 69 avoided tackles, that's a um, 0.29 avoided tackles per carry, which led all backs in the NFL. That gave him elusive rating of 103.6, which was also best in the NFL. It's no surprise that 32% of his yards came on runs of 15 yards or more. And that gave him six highest breakaway percent. Once again, all those numbers, all the breakaway numbers, you know, yards after contact, elusive rating, you name it, he was up there. Okay, this guy was really good. Now, I love uh, John Gruden. Um, we'll see if he turns that around. I don't know. I really like John Gruden. I just don't know if he's got the talent there. But I have a lot of respect for the guy. He's been in the league for a while. He's, a good, uh, he, he's seen a lot of talent come and go. And here's what he said about him. He said he's a great competitor. Okay, He's going to be one of the best complete backs in all of football. Now, if you look at his concerns, if you have a concern for him, here's one concern. Um, his passing game numbers did disappoint for some. He had 20 catches, 166 yards. That's not that good, especially when you have all these other backs that are so complete. But he's actually a very gifted pass-catching back. Here was a scouting report when he came out of college. Here's what it said regarding his hands and his ability to be effective in the passing game. Here's what it said from uh, scouts. So he's really solid in the passing game. He runs good routes. He has soft hands. He's a real threat in the passing game. He rips off chunks of yards. As a receiver, he has shown the ability to adjust to the ball with speed and power, and he's a mismatch weapon for um, linebackers. He's very difficult. They can't keep up with him right in the, 
And defensive backs obviously are overpowered. He's too physical for them. So this is a guy that coming out of college had good hands and good routes. You name it, this guy can be very effective in passing him. And I think they're going to get him more involved this year in that. And you'll see those numbers go up. I wouldn't be surprised to see 45, 50 catches this year for him there. Um, he's a true three-down back. And at 22 years old, this guy's young. This guy's going to be a top 10 back for many years. And I believe he's going to end up with a couple rushing titles. I love Josh Jacobs. So. I absolutely think that Triple G will end up with a couple of rushing <laughs> titles. Um, the interesting thing to note that people have to remember is he powered through that tough shoulder injury in the middle of the season. He uh, suffered, I believe, against the Packers, um, and he had this monstrous hit, um, but ended up hurting his shoulder. He missed a couple of games, played banged up through a couple of games, and he still had 66, far and away the most avoided tackles. He still led all rookie running backs in rushing yards. He was insanely effective. He was very, very, very effective. I can't wait to watch this guy to continue to play for years. He is one of my favorite backs in the league right now. And yes, what he does in the passing game as far as his value last year, 20 catches wasn't much, but he did miss some time. He was a little bit banged up. Rookie running backs always, they are always worse in the passing game than they are the next few years. They get better. It's something that you learn. And he's going to get used more. I think, honestly, part of it is simply that that offense didn't scheme to use him as much in the passing game because he was so darn effective in the running game. And also, I read an interesting thing from John Gruden who said that when he got injured from then on, that was week, I believe, week uh, seven or eight, from then on the rest of the year, they were uh, managing his touches, apparently, for a guy who was consistently hitting like 20-plus touches every week. So I can't wait to see how much he gets the ball next year. Huge value from this guy for sure. All right, here at number six, we have Joe Mixon. And I'm going to be honest with you. When we began doing our dynasty rankings, Rob, you suggested we put Mixon here, and I thought you were wrong. Dive into some of the research, and I definitely think you're right. I think he is one of the most deceptively talented backs in the NFL. And I think some of the stats prove it. We're going to get into in a second. Um, but yeah, amongst all the extremely talented running backs out there, he does not get the recognition he deserves. And I think we've used the word underrated a couple times already. Yeah. Of the guys we've talked about so far, he has to be the most underrated. I do mean that. Um, so when we look at it last year, he finished as a running back 13. Now his ADP had him as the running back 11, so for some people he disappointed just a little bit. However, uh, there was some major struggles in that offense last year. I remember everyone was kind of the whole thing was they weren't going to win a game last year. They did eventually learn to, but they, they started the season pretty horrible. In fact, when you look at it, um, people didn't even see him really as a running back too. Through the first seven weeks of the season, he was the running back 34 in fantasy points. He wasn't even a starter for the first seven weeks of the season, but things drastically turned around after that. And it was just minor adjustments that that offense made to get slightly better. Note, the Bengals still sucked last year after week seven. They were better, but they were still kind of awful. No offense to any Bengals fans, please don't dislike the video, but... Um, uh, but they got a little bit better, and that slight change was made a huge difference. So when we look at his weeks 1 through 7 to his weeks 8 through 17 stats, it was crazy. Through the first seven weeks of the season, he was averaging uh, 12 carries a game. That went up to 21.6. He was averaging 36 rushing yards. That went up to 98 rushing yards. He was averaging 3 yards per carry. That went up to 4.5 yards per carry. Basically, every single stat, he went way up. In fact, he was averaging 7.8 half PPR points per game. After week seven, that went up from 7.8 to 17.1 fantasy points per game. Just a drastic increase. And they didn't make huge changes. They were just slightly more effective. 
They got an extra first down here or there. They didn't win a whole lot more games. I think they finished with a couple of wins on the season, but they were still pretty bad. And ultimately, one of the things was the volume. I don't know what was going on there in Cincinnati, but he wasn't on the field as much as he should have been. So as we look through the first couple games of the season, two of just the first eight games did he see 60% snaps on the field. He did that, um, what is it right here? Sorry, I got to read my notes. Um, he did that in six of his next eight. So he went from two of the first eight games he saw 60% to six of the eight he saw 60%. And that's really ultimately one of the big things that made a huge difference for him. And that huge increase of efficiency gave him 150% more yards per carry from week eight onward. You give him more touches and he had a better yards per carry. And then that's because he's a very talented running back. And we've seen this with running backs like Peterson. I think the more talented you are, the better you do with more carries because Peterson and guys like them, they'll get a carry for one yard, a carry for two yard, a carry for three yard. And what happens when you hit the third quarter, the defense gets tired and it really only takes an 80 yard carry for a touchdown to make your entire fantasy day work. You can struggle and struggle and struggle, but that volume, that's ultimately the thing that gives value to running backs. And so when he continues to get the volume this year, because he will, right, that Bengals organization, they get paid a lot of money to figure out football. They're going to notice the same thing that I noticed, and that means they need to give him the ball more. And ultimately, their quarterback play was so bad last year. I'm excited to watch Joe Burrow. He's going to be a step up from, from what they had for sure. I really mean that. I think he's going to be a very talented NFL quarterback, and that's going to really benefit Mixon for years to come. But uh, um, the last thing I wanted to say is he had 272.1 half PPR fantasy point pace from week eight onward. That was his pace. Had he done week eight onward the entire season, he would have finished as the running back five in 2019 and the running back six in 2018. So yeah, I think he is a top six, top five talent for sure. Rob? Yeah, you know, I got Joe Mixon on a dynasty league of mine, and he's been a little disappointed, but I don't blame him at all. This guy has been not only on a bad team last year, but the last three years the Bengals have been brutal. He's, he's got to be in the worst situation in terms of where they've been the last couple of years. And then last year, of course, they had injuries. Mm -hmm. You know, Green goes down, and Boyd gets hurt, and Ross gets hurt. And, you know, it's really easy to, to, to really focus on shutting them down. Uh, he didn't get a lot of touches. You talked about how important it is to, to wear down a defense running the ball, but I also think with backs, they get into a rhythm. Same with the offensive line. You've got to give them carries. And so this guy, I think, is very underrated. I don't know if you mentioned or not, but we talked about um, coming into the league, a lot of scouts felt like this guy was a first-round talent that only dropped because of his domestic violence. But everybody felt like this is the guy that should be drafted in the first round. He's very talented. As far as that goes, by the way, it sounds like he's been uh, doing a great job keeping his nose clean, staying out of trouble. I like Joe Mixon. And he came in the league very young. He's still not old at all. He's still got a lot of good years ahead of him. I like Joe Mixon. The only concern I do have for this year is uh, it's still going to be a rookie quarterback. And even if Joe Bears is the guy and he has a great year, um, I would imagine I'm the defensive coordinator. What I'm going to do is try to shift down the running game a little bit and force the, uh, the rookie quarterback to beat me. But with that said, it's got to be an upgrade at quarterback there. That offense has got to get better. Well, it's still going to be an upgrade. And I think a rookie quarterback today is different than a rookie quarterback 15 years ago. Yeah, I agree. Uh, man, you look at what Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones did last year. I have a lot more faith in rookies than I did back in the day. Um, say back in the day like I'm old, but I'm still pretty young. Anyways, let's get to our next pick. That's Joe Mix, and I'd love to hear if you guys agree with him being here at this spot. All right, we're running back number seven, and finally we get to talk about Alvin Kamara. The funny thing with it is, is last year I think a lot of people, I heard a lot of people say, oh, we're disappointed in Alvin Kamara's performance, and I thought they were wrong to say that, and he still fell to number seven for us just because of how talented some of these other running backs are. It's such a kind of competitive list to be on, but Rob, let's break down Alvin Kamara, everything that you know about why he, 
ranks here. Yeah, so this guy came in the league and he shocked everybody. Uh, took league by storm. So good. He was number three running back on that team. They trade away Adrian Peterson and then of course they they move on from Mark Ingram because he's that talented. As a rookie, he goes out and he has a yards per carry six point one. That's crazy. Um, we said the year after that that was going to drop. And it did. But don't let that concern you. 6.1, you're not going to keep that up. I'm sorry. That's just off the charts. Um, that, that's something like a backup running backs to unlimited carries, okay? Um, now, here's what we need to know. What he happened in the last two years, he's had a yard per carry 4.7, 4.6. That's more reasonable. And that's kind of what you can expect from this guy. But 4.7, 4.6, that's really good. Now, that's not great, but it's good. It's solid. But then look at how dangerous he is in the passing game as a receiver. That's actually great production as a runner. It gives him... A, a lot of value as a fantasy player. Now, I owned him last year, and it, uh, I have to admit, I was a little disappointed, I was a little frustrated. One, his touchdowns were lower. Especially five of them came in the last three games, which in the last three games of the year, uh, the fantasy season was essentially done at that point. So that did hurt me a little bit, and I think that's where a lot of our frustration came from as owners. But with that said, this guy has got a nose for pay dirt, so don't worry about that. If you look, he's had 37 touchdowns and 45 total games played in the league. So this guy finds the end zone all the time, don't worry about it. He's been a mark of consistency as a wide receiver since he entered the league. Do you know how many uh, receptions he had as a rookie? 80. 81. 81. His second year, do you know what he had? 81. 81. And last year? I'm going to go on a hunch. 81? 81. So this guy's been a mark of consistency. I mean, I see those numbers go up, but I think that they will. Uh, the reason why they didn't go up last year is you look at Michael Thomas, which is, by the way, is not going to continue that again. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a drop in there. But that's phenomenal consistency as a wide receiver. Um... That total, that three-year total, is second only to Christian McCaffrey as far as total receptions by a running back the last three years. Yet, here's the thing to note. Okay, he's number two to Christian McCaffrey, but his catch percentage and his yards per catch are actually better than McCaffrey. Did you know that? I didn't Going know that. Going back to what you talked about, it's a volume from McCaffrey. got a lot of volume there. I love he's on a great offense with Hall of Fame quarterback, all-time great Drew Brees, so that's good. I love that there. And I also like Michael Thomas, even though, yes, he did lose some production because of Thomas being there. Um, I love that Thomas is there and that he set some records last year because that means that he's not going to see a lot of loaded boxes. He's not going to a lot of extra attention, you know, extra attention from linebackers or safeties. So I love that there. I don't mind that those guys are there. I think it's good for him. Now this guy is not going to be what I would call a huge bell call. He's never going to get 250 to 300 carries per year, okay? But his touches will be very consistent. If you look at what I see in him, is a career and what you can expect numbers-wise year after year. His stats and game will be very reminiscent of Marshall Falk. Can a guy like Alvin Kamara break a thousand yards rushing? Yes, he can. He might do it a couple times in his career, but it won't happen often. And if he does break it, he's barely going to break it. Okay, right over a thousand, maybe a thousand one hundred, thousand seventy-five, like that, right? But his total yards, rushing and receiving, will leave him near the top of the league every year. In fact, if we go to the last three years combined, okay, if you look at total yards from scrimmage, he's fourth behind McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, and Ezekiel Elliott. That's how. This guy is just good across the board. He's very solid. He's still very young. He's got a great offense. I like that he plays indoors, by the way, so comes some of those cold winter months. Um, I love that these players that can play inside keeps them a little healthier, uh, especially that speed on indoor turf is good. So um, that's my guy, number seven. Well, you know, maybe I'm a big baby, but especially at running back, being hit when it's cold hurts. <laughs> yes. But really the thing that you have to love ultimately this is an offensive-minded team with an offensive-minded coach. That has always been the Saints' identity, and part of that is the Hall of Fame quarterback, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, an underrated tight end who had nine receiving touchdowns in 14 games. They add Emmanuel Sanders. They have all this talent in the passing game, arguably you know, one of the, the best, if not the best, passing attack in the NFL. But what I love most about that is that's going to move the chains 
But what really happens when they get to the red zone? I don't care what you offense you are. When you get to the red zone, when you get to the goal line, running back is the position. Running back gets the ball, especially when you can do both run and catch. So I think he's going to see very efficient touches, as he really always has. He has been one of the most efficient backs in the NFL. Definitely deserves to be in this spot. You can maybe argue him being higher. But man, this is an incredibly talented list. All right, now we got Derrick Henry here, and I believe number eight, very talented back. There are a few concerns. One, he, we know he's one of the best pure runners, physical runners, just dominating, punishing runners, if not the best and most punishing runner in the NFL. But he's got a just massive weakness, which is his ineffectiveness in the passing game, and that's always going to hold him back. And there's also, of course, this being a dynasty video, I have to question three, four years from now. Is he going to be able to get the same amount of touches and efficiency on the ground game? Those are the real concerns for him, why he's not higher. But let's talk about all the good because it's fun to talk about just how effective this guy has been. He scored 16 touchdowns last year, which was really good. But you can't, I mean, you can't forget how bad that offense was when they started the season because they had Marcus Mariota under center. With Tannehill under center, Derrick Henry was on pace for a 20-touchdown season. That's a really, really effective year. And in fact, we could, I could very well imagine him having even more, maybe 22 to 24 touchdowns in a season, considering last year, again, he was on pace for 20. He had 16. Uh, but did you know he was not even in the top 12 for goal line carries? He wasn't. You would think that'd be a category that he would be in. I'm not sure what exactly it was, probably because he was running it in from the 20-yard line and not the one because of how good of a runner he is. But but yeah, he also had 5.08 yards per carry and 303 carries last year. That was the most carries and the second highest yards per carry among qualifying running backs. That is a phenomenal category to be in both of those. You almost never see a running back finish so high in both categories. So it's, it's crazy to see teams know he's going to run the ball. They load the box. They do everything they can to stop him. He runs the ball a lot, often, doesn't matter. He is effective. He also had 4.18 average yards after contact. That was uh, the most among all running backs. That's just how physical he is. We know that. And he did have five fumbles. A lot of that is to the volume. He was seventh in red zone carries, 13 in goal line carries. That's a low percentage. I imagine that'll probably go up next year. But really the thing that is to note here is, He's kind of had this bipolar career where he really wasn't that effective for a while, and then he was extremely effective. I'm not even going to bother wasting time breaking down the stats before and after this sudden switch. Um, he, I think part of it was effectiveness of that offense and just how bad Marcus Mariota played. You get Tannehill in there, and again, he was on pace for a 20-touchdown season. That offense after Week 10 was first in average yards per play. They were extremely effective. Tannehill is as he proved last year to be a fairly underrated quarterback, they add A.J. Brown to step in there, who had um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal rookie season. In fact, Tannehill had the, had the highest average yards per attempt since Kurt Warner back in 2000. That, by the way, was considered the greatest show on turf, and most people looked at the Titans offense last year and considered it better than it was or pretty good. I think it was one of the better offenses in the NFL. So I love Derrick Henry. Not a huge PPR boost there. Some concerns as to how many years he'll be able to do this. But man, for the next couple of years, I got no concerns. He's going to be great for sure. Yeah, A.J. Brown there is key because Davis is obviously not getting it done there, wide receiver. The other thing that's funny, you talk about the first two and a half years in the league, he, he wasn't that good. In fact, mm -hmm. uh, his uh, third year, the first half of it was brutal. His yards per carry were terrible. And then he really turned it around, and, and he really credits turning it around to a conversation he had with another Titan stud running back, Eddie George, who, uh, speaking on the phone, Eddie George's advice to him was, you know, every time you touch the ball, you need to run hard. 
Um, you know, you think you coming to the NFL, you would know that, but yeah, apparently it's working because now the guy is unstoppable. I think it's part of the reason why I buy Fumble, by the way, is he he fights through these tackles, and when you he do does. that, you know, he's getting all these yards after contact, but then you know it does increase the chance that you're going to fumble. But once in this guy's a, a beast. Well, you know, that is some maybe some obvious advice advice for him, but sometimes obvious advice is really great. Like I always remind you, Rob, before you get up for the day, put some pants on, probably a good idea. Um, and you know, it's the little things that make the difference. Little things that make this kid, I tell you. Oh, my God. All right, so here we are at number nine, a guy that I'll be honest, I have just a bit of a man crush on, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, I know some people are going to struggle with this one because we're doing a, this is a two-part video. We're doing one through ten, and then the next time we're going to release the next part, right? Mm -hmm. Eleven through twenty, and I think there's a lot of guys eleven through twenty that you could put up in this position, right? But I like Miles Sanders. A lot to like about this guy, and a lot of it's opportunity. You know, a uh, young guy, talented in the right offense with no real competition. Let's get into some numbers here. Miles Sanders last year finished fifteenth in PPR scoring and sixteenth in standard scoring. Very good there. You like that, right? Uh, especially when you consider where he's at his role. You name it. Um, now his size is not great. Not a big guy, but he's not small either. Five foot eleven, two eleven. He's not small, but he's not big. He's got okay size there. He's still young at twenty-two years old. I mean, that's so young. When you look at that, um, I, we haven't had an opportunity to see what this guy can do once he fully matures and really develops in the league. There's going to be that you know growing curve. There's going to be a curve to that. He'll get better. Now here's what's I think surprising for a lot of people. When you consider that he's not a very big guy, and yet he was eleventh in yards after contact in the league. I think he found the stat. He was behind like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Raheem Mostert, Josh Jacobs, right? Guys that are known to be physical runners, who run hard, who run physical. These are the guys that he was up there with being mentioned. And yet you look at his size at 5'11", um, just 211 pounds. It's crazy to think how physical of a runner he is at that size and still competing with some of those other bigger backs. Yeah. yeah so as the year went on, he got increased usage. Touched the ball more, became a more focal point in that offense. His last five games of the season, he was six in fancy points among running backs. So very solid there. Um, we can see that trend continue. I'm not saying he's going to finish fifth or sixth. But this guy could definitely be around top ten. That's why I have him number nine right now. Now, he's great in the passing game. This is why um, I was a little apprehensive about having him this high. I know you got a mad crush on him. Mm -hmm. But I think this is where you can trust this guy, especially in PPR leagues, okay? Finished top 12 in receptions, yards, yards per target, yards per catch. He was top seven in red zone targets, catches, and TDs. And his 50 catches are 10th most ever by a rookie running back all time. And here's the thing. You can look at the Eagles. Uh, we talked about it earlier, Ezekiel Elliott. But a key to running back success is tied directly to his offensive line. Offensive line, man. Got to have a good offensive line. And the Eagles have a very good offensive line. In fact, pro football focus rated their offensive line, okay, that they led all run blocking with an 88.4 rating. Very good. They run block really well. And then here's another guy. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I think Carson Wentz is very underrated. We did a video with him about dynasty quarterbacks. Watch that. What he's done with who he's had, some of the adversity and things he's had to overcome, Carson Wentz is very good, Okay, very good quarterback. And the thing that's made him good, and they love to run that offense, if you look at Coach Peterson, is he had the second most play-action passing yards with over 1,000 passing yards off of play-action. They're going to continue to do that, but play-action is only effective by you got to run the ball. So they're going to continue to run the ball there. I love that Jordan Howard departed, but it leaves him as a clear lead back at this point. I love that. Um, Eagles love running the ball. They're going to stick with that. That's their identity as a team there. So, um, you know, what to say uh, about this guy? Like I said, he's young. Another thing that I think is important, I wish they had a little bit better wide receivers there. Alshon Jeffries probably not going to be back. Start of the season, he's still recovering, right? Some injuries. They did draft a rookie wide receiver that looks like he's got some talent there. But the one thing that I do like is their tight ends. 
You look at Ertz and Godard, these guys are stud tight ends, and that's going to help keep some of that attention off of him in that offense. For me, the biggest thing, and I actually wrote an article on our website about it. If you would love to check that out, certainly feel free to do so. But the best thing I liked about him is he started the season not really that great. He wasn't expected to be the starter by most. In fact, we weren't even sure. We thought it would probably be Jordan Howard, or not we, but fantasy in general. And so he starts the season the first couple of games. He wasn't that effective. He was so good by the end of the year that he ran Jordan Howard out of town. He's not even with the Eagles anymore. That's how effective Miles Sanders was. And when the team and the Eagles as a whole go on and do that, that's a huge sign of confidence towards Sanders for us to be able to trust him a little more. Now, before we get to our number 10 guy, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, Dalvin Cook, how is Dalvin Cook not listed yet? How is Miles Sanders ahead of Dalvin Cook? Well, watch our video Next one we do, we do 11 through 20, we'll talk about Dalvin Cook, which, by the way, I love Dalvin Cook. I'm a Vikings fan. We live in Minnesota, um, but we do have some concerns. Once again, very talented. He's a guy that I would say has very high risk, high reward, but we'll get to that next video. Get to our number 10 guy. Well, we haven't even revealed the number 10 pick. Now everyone knows it's not Dalvin Cook, so thank you very much for that. All right, here at number 10, rounding out our top 10 dynasty running backs, finishing off this part one video is Aaron Jones. Now, I tell you, I love Aaron Jones, but I'm not a Packers fan, so this is kind of a weird feeling for me, but he is very phenomenal last season. I like him going forward. Rob, before I get into all sorts of things, you said you wanted to mention something. So, so here's the thing, you know, and maybe we're patting ourselves on the back, but I'm going to do it. I want to pat this on the back here, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, we get a lot of ridicule. You know, whenever you put yourself out, they share things. Everybody has an opinion. You know, what I what I rarely hear, though, is when we are right about a prediction, we break something down, where do people come back and say, Milan, you were right, you're accurate. Aaron Jones was one of those guys, the first year and a half in the league, people were just pushing so hard for Williams being the guy, on and on and on. We broke it down. Coming out of college, we look at metrics. We said Aaron Jones is the guy. He's got to get more carries. He's got to be effective. We, you know, people just push back. Well, the coach says this, and that says that, and on and on and on. I won't get into it, but you know what? We were right. This guy didn't just have a breakout year last year. The moment he stepped on the field, he's been phenomenal. And uh, and I, I I feel good about the fact that we kind of nailed this one. But go ahead. Break it down. Well, and exactly. Give us Remember, knowledge. a few years ago, they had Ty Montgomery, and then Ty Montgomery didn't really work out. And they had Jamal Williams. And Jamal Williams is better than Montgomery, but he still didn't really work out as the lead back. Watching Aaron Jones work through to become the starter kind of felt like uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory as all the other kids fell off and they – Finally found the one who was the right fit, and he was he was phenomenal. But the biggest thing amongst all of that, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, the biggest thing that I want to say is, wow, I'm surprised at his ADP. According to ADP and according to tons of fantasy rankings by sites like ESPN and lots of large sites, he is a late to mid second round pick. That is absurd, and there's no reason that he should be for any reason. He had the second most fantasy points among running back last year, and he, heck, he might have been one, except, of course, McCaffrey has this historic season, so kind of hard to compete with that. And the big difference maker from the year before, when he went from 24th in fantasy points to last year's second, was the coach. Mike McCarthy drastically misused him and was not as effective in getting the ground game going as he should have been. Matt LaFleur comes in, and that running game is incredibly effective, and that made a huge difference because he got more volume. He went from a total of 285 touches, or he, excuse me, he had 285 total touches from just 159 the year before, and he equated to a huge boost in red zone stats. He had more red zone touches. He had 14 red zone touchdowns. He tied for the most touchdowns among all running backs last year. He was great. He's not the best receiving running back in the NFL, but he's also being used in the passing game. So he's got a little bit of everything. He's good in the red zone. He's got a fair amount of volume. He is the back. He's getting catches. He's been great. But what I like about him most is that 
819 yards after contact. That means 68% of his 1,196 rushing yards came after the contact. He is also another physical running back. And I think the two things that we really like that help us put these running backs high are receiving running backs and running backs who fight through contact. Those are the things that you can tell we really like because I constantly will put guys much higher up on the list for that. Uh, but even more than that, over Matt LaFleur, he doubled his targets, his receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns, all while setting a career high in uh, passer rating generated with 109. Uh, that was the third best passer rating gen generated among running backs with at least 67 targets. So yeah, he is actually surprisingly effective in the passing game. You've got a mature quarterback in Aaron Jones, who, or excuse me, in Aaron Rodgers, who is able to move the ball. But when it gets to the red zone, you've got a guy who can do it all. He's effective in the red zone. He's effective on the ground. He's effective in the passing game. Aaron Jones is in a great situation. He's been in the league for a few years now, and he maybe isn't the youngest running back on this list. So he may be one of the first guys to fade off considering there are some younger picks than him. But over the, you know, say the next two, three years, I don't think that's a concern. He is not old by any means. So yeah, I, I really do like Aaron Jones. And it is weird to put him ahead of Dalvin Cook. It feels a little wrong but uh, as a Vikings fan, but it's just the truth. We got to look at it honestly and the numbers are the numbers and that's what they say. Yeah, if you go back to his rookie season, whether it be yards after contact, with elusive rating, you know, on and on and on. This guy has been very, very solid there. His yards per carry have been good. Um, you know, at 25, he's not uh, young, but he's not really old. Here's the thing. If you look at Matt Floor, and I don't know if you did any research on this, he was your guy. Um, but Matt LaFleur, has there been other running backs when he's been a coach that had a flourish? Well, if you actually look at it, there's been a lot of fancy backs that have flourished in the offense that he's been a part of running as a head coach. So I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's going to continue, you know, especially as Aaron Rodgers gets old. And the other thing I liked about, once again, you talk about Aaron Rodgers being there, but they got a number one wide receiver in Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, so once again, that's really important. So hopefully that'll keep uh, defense from loading the box there. I like Aaron Jones. He's very underrated. And, you know, here's another thing we want to put out there to you guys is just because we're saying right now he's the number 10 dynasty uh, back. Uh, he may not be there. He may fluctuate different on an actual running back ranking video, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you got to take him that early. Mm -hmm. Part of being a good draft guy is knowing where he can slip and maybe I grab another guy and, and, and stuff like that. So we're not saying you got to take him at this place, but know that's where we rank him and maybe uh, you can let him slide and grab another position and, and he'll fall to you. Who knows? Exactly. You mix in a couple of wideouts like Michael Thomas, who's a first round pick. Somebody will, you know, an Arizona fan might take Hopkins in the first round. You get that idiot who will draft a quarterback in the first round. He'll fall to the second round, even if his ADP rises even just a little bit. And so for me, kind of my hope for this fantasy season is to be a late first round pick so I can get two back to back running backs and get Jones in the second. But that's a whole lot of draft strategy stuff, which is a video I would love to do with you. So here's where it's at. It's a little bit risky. So you said, you know, in some he's he's mid to late second round. That means in some drafts, late second round. Um, and some drafts, it's hard to believe this, but he'll fall into the third round. Mm -hmm. If you're with those sort of guys, and that's part of projecting and knowing who you're drafting with, who's out there, who's available, who's each person taken, and what are their needs, and can I fall? Could he slip to uh, early third round? Once again, a little bit risky there, but these are things you always got to factor out. Another reason why we suggest that you do mock drafts. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot of trends that can help you figure out where you can take a guy, where you can steal a guy, or maybe where you need to grab a guy earlier than maybe you want to, but you feel like you need him. So... That's our top 10. That's our top 10. And hey, speaking of mock drafts, if you happen to be listening or watching this on our YouTube channel, well, we have a playlist with two mock drafts on there now. We're going to be continuing to post some every couple of weeks as we walk through our strategies of how we're taking players and how we're evaluating talent and putting together championship rosters. So you can go check that out if you'd like. But guys, thank you so much for watching. You have a great day and God bless.